Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 151 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jackson's mom, Carrie. Now, again, this is the second time this summer where I've had a duplicate name. So before we talked with Jackson's mom and dad from St. Louis, Missouri, this is a different Jackson, Jackson Chance. Jackson Chance's mom is from Chicago. They have started a really amazing organization called the Jackson Chance Foundation and that I know you're going to want to hear more and more about. They are offering an amazing service that benefits all parents of babies who are in the NICU in the Chicagoland area, not just those who have lost their children. So you are going to love just hearing more and more about this, I know. If you have ever thought about wanting to be on the Always Andy's Mom podcast, please reach out. I love hearing from different listeners. So again, my email is marcy, M-A-R-C-Y, at andysmom.com. I am looking for guests who would like to share their stories on the podcast this coming fall. So if you'd like to share your story, please reach out. If you've thought about sharing your story but aren't quite sure, you can reach out anyway and we can have a chat about what that might entail. Also, if you would like to be involved in one of our Starlight Ministries virtual support groups that I help facilitate, please email Stephanie at stephanie at starlightmin.org, where you can register to get an intake, have an intake done, so you can be in one of those virtual support groups starting up in September. We would love to have more participants. They are amazing programs. They have a wonderful curriculum, and their curriculum is actually also for sale if you wanted to think about starting your own support group in your own area. So please feel free to email Stephanie to find out more information either way, whether you'd like to be in a support group, or you might even want to start one of your own. Right now, I just know you are going to enjoy listening to Carrie, Jackson's mom. Thank you so much, Carrie, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today and talk with me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you. And I am excited to hear about your little guy, Jackson. It's funny because I just had another Jackson. I had Jackson's mom and dad on recently. So now you're Jackson's mom, different Jackson. But I get to hear about this one, too. Yeah, you know, Jackson was born 11, 11, 11 at 11, 11 p.m. <gasps> no way. That is so special. Right. I always, so I always say he's as special as his birthday was unique. And it was early premature um, labor, emergency C-section. So there was no planning around to make that exact, you know, time and date work. People always have a hard time believing like, wait, did the doctor wait? I'm like, no, this was like a critical situation. So <laughs> He looked up and called the time, like everyone's mouth was kind of like, that was crazy. But we were focused on other things. Mm-hmm. Jackson came about 10 weeks early. Um, my husband and I had tried for many, many, many years through lots of IVFs and trials to get pregnant. So we were so excited. Yeah. He came early and he was actually, you know, a pretty good, strong 31 week baby. And he was breathing on his own and he did have to go to the NICU. But so for the first couple of months, we were certainly not thrilled to be in the hospital with him, but we were just excited and loving him and waiting for him to come home. Yeah. Well, and you know, you just think of a lot of those kiddos as like, as when I was working in the NICU, we would call those yeah. just growers and feeders. Yeah. They just would feed and grow and everything was 
really pretty much run of the mill. You just increased their feedings every few days and yeah. kind of just watched them grow until they were strong yeah. enough to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. We were just, you know, waiting for him to get big enough to get home. Certainly it was still a scary experience and oh, now yeah. we were hoping for, but we were just so grateful and, and happy to have him. And he was a really um, sweet, happy baby, even when he was really sick. And then even as the time went on, he he ended up staying in the NICU for 10 months, just shy of 10 months. He did go home one time for 48 hours. The first day was wonderful. And then we had a pretty scary experience where he ended back up in the hospital and it was, you know, kind of a close call to get him there. So. Oh my word. That's scary. It was Yeah, it was really scary. And so then we ended up, you know, back in the hospital and doing some more, you know, just letting him grow and get bigger and get stronger again. And then at about 10, just shy of 10 months, he ended up getting hospital pneumonia and his lungs just couldn't handle it. And then he took a decline pretty quickly and um, passed away just shy of 10 months. Yeah. yeah, and that is really unusual to have a kid that's just born 10 weeks early, stay yeah. for 10 months, because, you know, usually we yeah. kind of tell parents that you shoot for going home on what would have been your due date. Yeah. Right? So the thought. Yeah, I was going to share that. I had some issues before I went into labor where I had some leaking where I thought my, you know, so I went and I was checked and they said it wasn't amniotic fluid and I was fine. Uh-huh. But now that now we know my water had actually broke much, much earlier oh, and they didn't catch God. it. So his lungs were actually that of probably a 24 weeker right. and he was 31 weeks. So he was also, you know, a big 31 week baby with 24 week lungs. Yeah. And it didn't even that didn't even come, you know, really figured out till much later on. So even the doctors were a little confused by why he appeared so healthy and strong and big. And then he was struggling and yeah. Wasn't an, it wasn't a typical NICU baby to, to the doctors. There. No. Yeah. I mean, 10 days before he passed, we were actually preparing for him to come home. We had the oxygen. He had a trach. So we had the home visits. We were, like, ready for him to come home. And then, I mean, I still remember it was uh, Labor Day. I walked in that morning, and I looked at the monitor, and I grabbed, you know, a nurse. I'm like, I think something's wrong with the monitor because his heart rate was so high. He had, he had never experienced that. And I just saw the look in her face and I was like, oh, something happened last night. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. And he, he died that Friday. Wow. Yeah. So something had suddenly just come out of the blue with this pneumonia? Yeah. I don't think it was suddenly. I think to me, it felt suddenly where that yeah. was that moment where I actually for the first time thought, oh, he's, this is, you know, this is, this, he might not come home. Like, I don't yeah. think I ever considered that mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And then it was just, he couldn't, yeah. He, I mean, from the trach and the hospital pneumonia, he just couldn't, just couldn't fight it. Just didn't have the strength to be able to do it. Yeah, exactly. It is funny though. I think you're right. It's, and I've said this so many times in the podcast about it being just hard to wrap your head around the idea yeah. that, 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 it won't just end up okay, that you won't just end up home, right? I mean, you have a baby that's born 10 weeks early, and I'm sure at the beginning they're like, okay, so plan on an extra 10 weeks. We'll just just let him wait and grow, and he's going to be great. And then it's just one of those things that was like ever so slowly things didn't improve like they were supposed to, right? So it ends up – yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, so it ends up being, it's not like this big, huge moment. I mean, there was with a pneumonia at the very end, yeah. but yeah. I'm thinking throughout those 10 months or nine months, you must have, it was just little setbacks that, that didn't ever make you think, oh, this is not going to end well. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, there are definitely moments. There's a lot of like two steps forward, three steps back, three yeah. steps forward, one step back. And then there was a lot of like, okay, don't said, don't waste your worry. Like yeah. I would worry about a surgery and he'd be fine. And then, so like, how do you know what to worry, not to worry about? And then I could worry every single moment. So it was kind of like, don't let my mind go at the worst case scenarios because I need to enjoy every moment I have with him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I just couldn't think about that. There might not be that many. I just wanted to really focus on the ones that we had. Right. 
I don't think I don't think I'd let my brain even go there. But I, I mean, I don't think right. I think that's maybe more unusual than usual after being in the NICU. I mean, you've spent time there, but I just couldn't. I don't know. I probably looked a little delusional and happy in the NICU, you know, like hanging well, out with my baby. it's your first baby yeah. and you just yeah. waited, I mean, years it sounds like, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, the, this was it. This, you've put in yeah. your time. You've gone through all this, this kind of suffering yeah. and the fact yeah. that you had to wait, you know, so long yeah. and you had so much struggle. You think, okay, we're good now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I hoped. I mean, certainly that's what you think. I I remember thinking to myself similarly. So so I lost my mom when I was in college, and you know both my parents actually had cancer when I was in high school, and then I lost my mom, Mm -hmm. and I sort of felt like I had had my bad thing. You know, my my teens and early twenties were kind of. I mean, they kind of stunk, right? I mean, I went through a ton of stuff, and I thought, okay. But I've had my bad thing, so now things yeah. are going to be good. And I would think yeah. for you, no. you were like, mm-hmm. infertility was my bad thing, yeah. so now mm-hmm. things are going to be good, yeah. right? I didn't feel that way, but I could certainly see how, like, your story, you were like, okay, my life story is not going to have another tragedy. Like, right. come on, that's too much. Like, okay, I, I can take a deep breath because I've had my tragedies. I'm right. kind of lucky they are the game, right? Right. Which, I don't feel that way now because I almost feel like, oh, God, I don't know if I could handle another no, one. No, I know. I totally don't feel like that way now. <laughs> yeah. I totally don't. It yeah. changes yeah. you when you have like, yeah, this awfulness yeah. and you end up knowing yeah. that it could happen and that it could happen again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so why don't you talk now about, so you suddenly kind of had this pneumonia happen and then you know over the course of a week it sounds like went from thinking he was going home to losing him talk about that time a little bit that's kind of super vivid and like a whirlwind in my brain like my mom came in my dad came in I remember I remember vividly we have a really close friend who is a peds doctor and she came in and she was like Carrie hates like two days before she's like I have to tell you this, like, you need to tell them what you want to happen if, if something starts happening to him. Because if he, like, has an episode right now, they're going to come in and doctors and nurses are going to swarm and you're not going to be with him. Like, you have to decide. Like, she was, like, preparing me. And it, it was, like, I wanted to tell her just to, to shut up. Like, I don't want to talk about it. But, right. like, so we really then, we were able to call my mom in, call my dad in. We told the doctors what could happen. He ended up dying, like, in my arms, like. So she really was such an angel to us where she gave us that like ability to like really not plan out his last few days, but really, you know, make them as special as we could. And even like he was very sedated. So they we talked about should we take a sedation off a little bit so he can be more alert. So we had a little more time with him and just all these decisions that allowed kind of that last 48 hours to be terrible and special at the same time. Yeah. Well, and you had a little bit more control. I mean, obviously not a lot of control, but a little bit more control than you might have otherwise. That was definitely a gift. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I, like, I mean, as terrible as it sounds, but I knew like, like the minute, like I started holding him on Thursday, I felt like if I moved him or like, or stopped, he might like, he's so fragile on that. Like he's just, any last breath could be his last breath. And like, I remember like, I was probably so dehydrated cause I didn't want to have to get up to pee. <laughs> like yeah. I just yeah. like, I was, I mean, I held him like, you know, I felt really bad. I wasn't going to give him to my husband, but like that movement. So like he was just sitting next to me, you know, like together, but it was just, um, I mean, it's not like we could, you know, we planned it, but just no. to able to be there, you know, well, and like, I, I, remember, I yeah. think to cherish it, right. You have some yeah. moments yeah. to cherish really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't leave the hospital from that moment I told you about. And I remember like people coming in there, I mean, like, you need to go home. You need to get your rest. And I'd be like, are you crazy? Yeah. Like, no. Or they'd be like, Oh, they, they like, they got a room. They like the hospital has like rooms for families. Like, Oh, they set up a room for me upstairs. I'm like, what? So I'm going to go sleep upstairs. Like, like, no, like, um, so I remember it was, it was more of a fight to be like, just leave me alone, Let's leave us alone, you know, than it was um, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to be there. But I remember walking to Walgreens one, like, that's so vivid, these weird memories, like one time to get something, a snack at like three in the morning, because like, you know, I just, whatever. Yeah. And I was so terrified being away those like five minutes. 
Well, it's because you knew that your time was very precious yeah. and very limited. Yeah. And I mean, I think back to, you know, obviously I lost Andy suddenly in a car accident, but yeah. I mean, I think to what I would have given for five more minutes. Yeah. Right. Right. And right. I would just give anything for five more minutes. Yeah. And then you think you, you had like people telling yeah. you to give up six hours to go to sleep yeah. and you're like, yeah. no, no, yeah. not when you know yeah. That, yeah. that you, there, yeah. yeah. It's like, how do I really want to spend those six hours? Do I want to be holding my baby or sleeping? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I know yeah. what my when answer would have been for sure. Okay. Um, when I read your story, that was super impactful to me about how I read that they took him and you didn't see him for four days later and you never, and like, I, it, it took me right back to like how grateful I was for those last few days where like, I mean, it's really crazy and it's a really strange experience to have someone like take their last breath in your arms, especially yeah. your, your son, but it's like the most special, meaningful thing ever. And especially when I like read a story like yours, it just reminds me how grateful I am that we were able to, you know, to, to be there with him. Yeah. I mean, it's so, there's just like no good way, but I'm yeah. glad no. that what we can do is, is yeah. appreciate some of the things that we have, yeah. you know, right. And when you can appreciate yeah. the, the gifts that you did have, I mean, I, I feel fortunate that, you know, I had 14 great years with him. You did not get yeah. that, right? I know. So, exactly. so that's exactly. a, it's a blessing that I had that you didn't have. And you yeah. had two days with him at home, right? I had years with my son at home. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, um, yeah, right. You have to, I think, really, to get through it, you have to focus on what you had and what you can appreciate mm -hmm. instead of if you can't focus on what you didn't have or you just, you know, won't survive it. Right. You'll just end up in such a bad, dark place. I mean, not that yeah. we aren't all in a dark place. And I, I yeah. mean, I, that's definitely true, right? It's, it's yeah. a dark hole that you're in, but it is nice when you can be able to grasp onto little glimmers of yeah. little silver linings. I've had some guests say little yeah. silver linings yeah. that you have had in your own story or silver linings that have come from your story. Right. Yeah. So, um, talk about then afterwards. So, uh, just even those days, I mean, going home without Jackson yeah. and, and all of yeah. that stuff, right. Especially when you've been there so long and it's been such a part of your life. Yeah. I mean, I can picture it like it was yesterday, like the car, my husband driving up the car and like nurses, like we had a whole, we were there for so long. Like and I still keep in contact with nurses and doctors from the hospital, right? They were all there like, leaving without your baby. And like, no, I'm knowing I'm never coming back. Like that was yeah. just leaving was just, that was just terrible. It was just, you just want to like leave your body. Like, I don't know how to explain it. And then the next couple of days are just a whirlwind where I'm like, now I'm planning a funeral. Yeah. And then like, I remember going from place to place and just being like, they are like, my mom was there my sisters were there. And I was like, in the back seat, like it took me back to being a teenager. We're all, you know, in the same car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to, and, and like, I would leave a place. We think I'm like, they are. They're all terrible. They're all terrible. Like, I don't want to be in any one of them. You know. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like, I remember people like being like, "Oh, you have to eat." I'm like, "No, I don't." Like, not my family, but like other friends. I'm like, "Why are people making me eat?" I'm like, "People do fast for a week all the time. Why? Like, why are you forcing me to eat? Like, I don't like." But people like they try and like make you do things and you're like, okay, everything's out of control. I don't need like people telling me what I need. Like, I remember thinking too, if I don't eat regularly, I will get a migraine headache. That's been like me yeah. forever. Oh, right. I always, I will get a migraine headache. And so people wanted me to eat, but yeah. in all actuality, I wanted to have a migraine headache for the first time in my oh. life. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, because I wanted my physical body to feel as yeah. bad as my emotional yeah. self did. And I thought, if I get a really horrible migraine, then that's, now I'm physically feeling as cruddy as I am emotionally. Yeah. And that seemed right with the world, like right? I, I get that. Yeah, just like going outside, it felt like it needed, it should be raining. It should be raining. Yeah. It should not yeah. be nice and sunny and beautiful. Yeah. You know, and you need to have, <laughs> just to make it right somehow it needed yeah. everything needed to be messed up mm -hmm. yeah 
No, I get that. I mean, I get, I absolutely understand saying I wanted a migraine. Like, yeah. I think that probably sounds crazy to most people, but like, yeah. I absolutely, as soon as you said it, I'm like, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> right. It, of course. Yeah. Of course. It yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was recently talking with a cancer team. And so I went to the local hospital and was speaking with cancer team. And I was talking about how, you know, when a loved one dies, when they've had an illness like cancer, people lose so much of their support system because the staff, the hospital staff that has been with them through that cancer journey, which can be months or years long, become closer to them than many family and friends. And I feel like that's very similar to what you're sharing now and that your NICU family, I mean, you saw them more than many of your actual family. Yeah, I mean, the NICU is also very restrictive. We were at two different hospitals, they had different rules, but people couldn't just like stop yeah. in and visit. So they absolutely become like your family and they're there for you. They'd, like, I was very reluctant and projective of sharing Jackson with friends, and meaning I didn't like post pictures on Facebook or like, you know, text out a bunch of pictures of him. I was very protective of him and his wires, and then you got the trach and all that, but just in a protective way. I mean, I honestly, the week, 10 days before we thought he was coming home was the first time I actually created like a private group, invited people and shared all these photos of Jackson saying he was going to be coming home soon. Wow. So, I mean, I I say that because so like, so the people who know Jackson or who knew him Mm -hmm. were the hospital. Yeah. Which is why I still talk with his nurses this many years later. Well, and I'm so glad that they do that because that was kind of my point to these people are you don't understand just how important you are to them and that when they don't only lose their loved one, now they Mm -hmm. lost their entire support system. Yeah. And also I think about losing part of your identity too when you Mm -hmm. are like the caregiver and that's what you're doing. And I think about with, with you, you just spent those weeks and months in the hospital kind of just being Jackson's mom, right? Yeah. And yeah. being that. And then all of a sudden, like that part of you, you're not the hospital anymore. You don't have Jackson yeah. anymore. It's not just losing Jackson. It's losing a lot of you. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, I did maintain working while I was at the hospital. Okay. I was able to work from the hospital oh, like good. most of the time, which mm-hmm. is great. And I had an amazing, so I was running a hotel at the time. And so I had an amazing like team of people who really took responsibilities for me, came around us and like, supported us. It was really hard to go back to work, right? Like, to go into the hotel like a week later. Yeah. I mean, I remember just dreading that and dreading that. But, I mean, they were the most amazing. They all had these, they were on his birthday. They like, all, I had pins made with this picture on the whole staff wore them talking like a hundred people like I mean they were like the most amazing supportive team and but it was still really really hard to go back see people well it is especially Mm -hmm. because you've been kind of doing stuff and then all of a sudden now you're just emotionally devastated like we were talking about you know you emotionally just feel like the worst of the worst right and then now you have this expectation like well you don't have to be in the hospital anymore so I guess you should just go back to work yeah Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad you got the support, though. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, some people don't. I I've heard some no. pretty horrible stories about you know how long are you going to be like this kind yeah. of. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I've heard those too. I saw them. I mean, because being there for ten months, I saw so many families come in in and out through the NICU. So yeah. I saw a lot of unfortunate you know, yeah. people who didn't yeah. have the support that they, I wish they would have had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you, cause you're doing some pretty cool stuff now in uh, Jackson's memory. So talk about how that came about. Yeah. I mean, I think early on it was kind of twofold was I was very uncomfortable being that poor mom who lost her kid, yep. right? I couldn't mm-hmm. make that my identity because I was, well, no, no, no. I had him for 10 months. I, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Right. Yes, I know you feel bad for me, but like, I'm still so grateful and blessed that I was his mom for 10 months. Mm-hmm. And then the one of the biggest things I think I kept thinking was I needed to honor Jackson. And I kept yeah. thinking about my own mom. 
And if something happened to me, what I would want for her. And I would have been mad and furious if she like broke down and like ruined her life or couldn't move. Like I would never want to be the cause of pain for my mom. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking I couldn't do that to Jackson. I have to, by me getting up and moving forward and do something positive and trying to celebrate his life, I'm honoring Jackson Mm -hmm. versus having his short life, any negatives on me or my life or my family's life or my husband's life. And that's, I think what keeps me going to this day where I'm like, okay, I can't break down because that's not honoring him. Right. I mean, I've seen that, right? On social media, I've seen moms that are like, my life is over. My child is dead. My life is over. And so you don't want his death to mean the end of your life too. And because- Right, right. I don't want to put that- that, I don't want to put that burden on him. Like I would feel terribly guilty that like- Right. That like, I mean, if I like knew that I, something happened to me and I like hurt my mom and that like, like, I mean, of course I did. I mean, and then like, then I intellectually, of course, of course it's for you. I mean, I get that. but like Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and no judgment, obviously. No judgment. Yeah. Of course not. Of course not. That's just like, so quickly we decided we wanted to like raise money in his honor and do something to honor honor Jackson. And so my husband and I spent like the next two months really deciding what we wanted it to be and how we, what the impact we wanted. And we really kept going back to one that Jackson was so happy. And like, yeah. if we say he fooled the doctors, it was because we were, we made his NICU like a nursery and we were there like all the time. And so what we found when we were in the NICU was that the parking was so expensive. The first six weeks, we ended up spending almost $2,000 a park. It was just outrageous. Oh and so throughout the NICU, we saw that the cost of parking was a true obstacle for families to be there. And it limited them visiting as much as they wanted. So we decided to start um, the NICU transportation program at NICUs where we give every baby, I like to say we give to the baby, a 24-7 unlimited parking pass with in and out privileges that they can give to a loved one. So we're giving that baby the opportunity to have somebody with them 24-7. I love that. Thank you. We figured, you know, as a gift that we gave Jackson, and if we could give other babies that and his memory and his honor, that would really be impactful and be meaningful to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because which hospitals were you at? You were at a couple hospitals. We were at Northwestern Women's Prentice Hospital in downtown Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then we were at Lurie Children's, which was Children's Hospital. And then it moved to be Lurie Children's downtown in the middle of our stay. So it was really the hospitals mm-hmm. and they and they all charged for parking because not all hospitals yeah. do I didn't think yeah well if you're in the city and urban environments often the hospitals don't own the garages or there's mm-hmm. other factors involved and they'll, they'll you know they'll validate it so it's ten dollars but typically that ten dollars is you know seven hours or less yeah it's once a day it's for one person I mean like I wanted to go my, and I'm like C-section recovering and pumping, like taking, you know, public transportation is not feasible for much of it. Um, So parking, you know, and so like, and then you want to come and go. So, you know, like when you're there a long time, like you have to walk your dog, you have to, you have to get other kids. If you even get a $10 validation, that's one time. So like if you're the dad goes, the mom goes, you need to go somewhere that's three times. I mean, it could cost 30, 40, 50, so many, so much a day. Oh, yeah. Which we saw, we saw it happening. And we also learned later on that other as not as serious level of NICU suburban hospitals, families would say, I can't be transferred to Lurie because I can't afford the parking, which Lurie is like one of the top, you know, 10 hospitals. And once we started our program, they got the hospital doctor that told us they got feedback that we've eliminated that from families. So babies who might otherwise not have gone to this, like, you know, high level critical hospital were now coming because we were able to give them this parking pass. Oh, that's amazing. So yeah. how long have you been doing this now? I'm super proud within one year of Jackson passing, we started the first NICU transportation program at Lurie Children. Okay. So that was 2013. Uh-huh. So we're pushing nine years. We're at three hospitals. We provide over 90,000 parking passes a year, days of parking every year. Oh. So it's great. Yeah. And it's been, you know, it's, 
obviously a way I've dealt with my grief and it's a way it really allows me to be able to talk about Jackson now all day, every day, um, in a really positive way, Mm -hmm. which I think the talking about a child who passed away is really hard for other people. Yeah. And this, this gives them a window to be able to ask me and talk about him in such a different way where I think it's, it's, that's like an ancillary gift. I never uh, anticipated from it. It's amazing. If you give people that little uh, window to be able to ask, they really want to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know that it's like you just give them permission. I saw yeah. a woman, I was golfing with her this week and I hadn't seen her in a couple of years. And I said something about Andy and then pretty soon she started asking me little questions yeah. about yeah, things. Right? Because yeah. all of a sudden it was like, oh, he's not off. He's not, yeah. you know, off limits yeah. to talk yeah. about. You brought him up. Yeah. So exactly. that means maybe I can ask you and I can ask you, do you feel Andy? Do you see Andy in places? What's one thing she asked me? And then she started asking me about the podcast. I mean, it just like little things that you're, that you know, she wanted to ask, right? Yeah. We've been together for an hour and a half and she probably yeah. had desperately wanted me to ask from the beginning, but she didn't know if it was really okay until I gave her the little glimpse that, oh yeah, it's totally fine. We can talk about that. It's, it's completely okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so true because there are the, the, you know, kind of other side of the spectrum where people just, who I have people now who are like, even like, like parents or friends are like, oh, I had a daughter who died when they were two. I had a baby who died when they were six months. Who can't tell me later who like, I mean, it's this big secret from them. Cause yeah. I think from maybe the older, some of the other generation, it was a little more taboo. Maybe it's becoming less now, but I think people don't ask sometimes because they just don't know which, which, you know, route you're taking. So right. this, your podcast or what I'm doing gives that quote permission for them to, you know, open that door, which I think is great. I think we should be able to talk about loved ones who aren't here. It's kind of confusing when you have one or why, I mean, my, my other kids talk about their brother Jackson, like all the time. Yeah. And I think that's good for them. And I mean, they, they know we, you know, they know the situation and I think it's, healthy for them to have this different relationship with a loved one who's passed. So then it might be easier when I die for them because they can still have the, they, I, mo- I can model how they'll still have a relationship with me when I'm. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about it, it would be weird if I have my three kids and my foster son too. So I've got yeah. four kids. And yeah. if I just wouldn't talk about one of them, I mean, really that'd yeah. be weird when you think about it. Yeah. Like just mm-hmm. because he's not living anymore, I, I talk yeah. about other stories from my other kids yeah. that from years past and then he's not okay, like an okay person yeah. to talk about. Although I do have to say like, you know, uh, as a pediatrician, I will sometimes tell little funny personal stories to my patients to make them feel better about some, you know, yeah. something going on with their kids. And I, <laughs> I never tell them that the kid that I just told them the story about is dead because I know yeah. that it will make them feel really <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. But I do like to be able to tell, still tell the story and it's kind yeah. of nice that they don't even know. And, and then they don't give me the weird look like you yeah. just told me, yeah. about, you know, I can just tell a really funny story yeah. and have them laugh and think it's hilarious, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you what about your, my dad's not here. I can tell a funny story about him without any hesitation. Yeah, right. And no one would think that's weird. Right? Nobody would think that's weird. I mean, yeah, I know. It's it's very interesting when you really start to think about it. Right. But if you talk about your child who is dead, that's totally weird. Yeah. And just yeah. Because it's okay. just, it's too painful for yeah. people to think about right. and handle. And I think they just can't handle the idea that, that, if it happened to you, that means it could happen to me. And I can't even no. think about it happening to me. So please just keep your mouth shut. Really. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I know. It's- so you started this, I mean, this program started in 2013. Yeah. Talk about what's been going on now these past nine years. What do you do to raise money and just things like that? Yeah. I mean, it's been great. I mean, we didn't intend for it to become this big program. I yeah. It literally, it took on a life of its own. I mean, our goal the first year was to raise like twenty, thirty thousand dollars and we got close to 400,000. 
my gosh. <laughs> I know. We ended up getting a lot of press. My husband and I ended up being uh, on the Sunday, the Chicago Tribune Sunday cover story. Oh, my word. Wow. I know. It was it just kept the story kept getting a little more and more. And then we ended up like I opened the paper and it was like a picture of him and I at Jackson's graveside. And they were talking about Jackson and the parking, what we were doing. And like from then on, it kind of just took on a life of its own. Wow. We have a couple. I mean, one thing that I think has really led to our success is we provide parking, only parking. That's it. We've stayed extremely focused. So we're very clear on what we do. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other, you know, really great things we could provide for families, but we, we don't. So we just stay really focused, which I think has been resonated with our donors a lot. So they know what they're providing, where their money's going, how much it costs, very specific, you know, detailed out in our materials. Um, and so we have um, two of our, we have two main annual fundraisers that we do. Um, one is our, we have uh, Team Chance. So Jackson Chance was his name. So Team Chance, our athletic team. And every August, we do an 111-mile, in honor of the 11s, 111-mile bike ride. Oh, my gosh. I know. So we ride from Chicago to Valparaiso and then back, and it's a really fun, leisurely, I mean, it sounds crazy to say 111 leisurely miles. I know. That's what, those two words do not go together at all. No, but it's not like a super, like, competitive ride in that sense. Okay. Okay. I get that. I get that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a really, we have nurses who ride. One of Jackson's primary nurses rides every year with us. So it's really great. So that's one of, you know, we get sponsors and people, you know, raise money when they ride. And then our main fundraiser is that we have our ping pong ball, which is a table tennis tournament. And, you know, and it's an auction with the DJ and, and a party. And it's really fun. That's every November. Oh, around yeah. the 11th, I imagine. It, Maybe it, not it, on it, the 11th, but around the 11th. Oh. Well, this year it's on the 10th. And so the 11th would be his golden birthday, 11 and 11, 11. So we are having a special like after party to celebrate what would be his golden birthday, which is great. So yeah, and we have a great board now. We have an event committee for the event of probably like 40 people who are just really supportive and committed to really helping, you know, raise money and support other families and I mean, what I didn't realize also is that there's so many NICU parents who are involved in our charity uh-huh. who spent time in the NICU. Some lost a children, some have older NICU children, but they are so grateful for a way that they can honor that NICU experience or yeah. give back to other NICU families or honor their child. Or I didn't even realize then, you know, how we would be providing an avenue to those other families, which again is super rewarding for us as parents of, you know, to think that our son has inspired all of this. Yeah, I that's a really great point that it's not just really helping bereaved parents at all. It's, it's yeah. so it's much larger than that. Because, you know, obviously, the majority of kids that have yeah. long NICU experiences actually do go home. So yeah, it well, it, it is it's more open that way to be able to yeah you know reach even more people really in that yeah absolutely yeah and I love how you have kept that sort of narrow focus I it's it's funny because you have people that give you all sorts of ideas right yeah after your job dies I mean we did you know I had quite a few people that told me that I needed to go to Lansing Lansing is the capital of Michigan and I needed to testify on you know rules for distracted drivers right because she was clearly distracted I don't know what she was doing I'll never know what she was doing but she wasn't paying attention when she hit us and you know that's there ought to be a law type of thing and and that's what I I should do or you know, you should do this or you should do that or whatever. People have all these ideas. But if you're not called to that, you're not called to that. I was not called to go to Lansing and talk about distracted driving. And as awful as it is, and I I mean, let somebody else do that. That is, if they're called to do that, they are. That was not my calling. You know, my calling was to talk with bereaved parents and yeah. to start the podcast. And that has been very rewarding to me and what I felt like I could do. And that's my little niche. And that is really what I see with you too, is like, 
You could have gone a million different directions, but you felt called to do this one thing and do that one thing really well, by the way. One thing is fantastic. You know what I mean? Instead of getting spread things, yeah. really have an impact. But like, like you said, everyone has an opinion of what, like, I, I, it, of what you should do, what you should think, or, you know, and they say the, they don't know what to say and they can, you know, say the most terrible things, you know, unintentionally, but yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you have to do what was important and meaningful to you. And people just want, they, sometimes I think they just are looking for things to say too, right? right. They just don't know don't what, know to, say, what to, so to say. So they just kind of just talk to talk and yeah. Yeah. Just things that you ought to do or right. Because I think they just are trying to figure out how to make you better. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants to make you better. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, they can. It's And I mean, I always say like my heart is broken for life. Right. It'll never, it's never. So like when I had my son after, I'm like, oh, he just gave me some glue. So I'm gluing it back together. Mm-hmm. But it's still broken. Like there's, yeah. there's, it'll always be broken. I've just learned to live with a broken heart. I learned to have joy inside yes. a broken heart. Yes. Yes, and you can. You can have joy and feel joy when your heart is broken all at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's different than it was before. Yeah. I can still be very joyous. There's still always that sadness there. There's always that Jackson's not here with us, you know? Yeah. But I'm okay with that. I don't need, you know what I mean? I don't need the alternative, but like I won't get over it. Time doesn't heal everything. It's not going to just pass. All that like... Those things people are say are well-meaning. I love hearing you say that because I say that all the time. That's such a fallacy oh. that time heals all wounds. Like no. really hard work can heal wounds, yeah. but just time? Yeah. No, time heals nothing. No, no. <laughs> and it, and like it's it's healed, but it's always there. Like, right. Like I say, my heart is broken forever. Yeah. You've always got a yeah. scar. You've got that exactly. jar. I love the jar analogy. I think about that a lot too, that like you are glued back together. You are not yeah. the same jar you used to be. And the glue can be really beautiful, right? Absolutely, yeah. It can. And there is beauty in my broken jar. It's still broken, but there's beauty there. Yeah. I mean, people really disappoint when you go through something like this. And some people really, really step up and surprise you. And you learn. And I think that, like, my life, now I, like, I'm really focused on, what I spend my time on, what I invest in, what I don't. I mean, people who disappointed me, I'm not mad at them. I just now kind of know who they are. Yeah. And then I choose to invest differently than I may have before. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Um, and it really helps me make choices in life better and prioritize because I feel like I have a new, you know, understanding of what's really important in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does change your perspective. A hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So you talked about having other kids after Jackson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit, because that yeah. must have been trying, really. Yeah, I have one other son who I got pregnant way quicker than I anticipated. So I was pregnant April after the following year after he passed. Wow. Which, you know, didn't expect since it took so long with Jackson. And it was really tough and bittersweet. Yeah. Be, and I was really um, anxious about it. And I remember really, really wanting a girl because I didn't want a comparison with Jackson. Like I just didn't want. And so then I remember like being in the ultrasound and finding out we we're having a boy and just like losing it. My husband just looked at me and he like grabbed my hand. And he's like, Jackson wants you to have a boy. And I was like, oh, okay. It was like crazy to me how it's like he just said that. And I was like, okay. Okay, now we can go there. Okay, all right, you're right. That's true, right? Okay. And now, like, I mean, I have a stepson who's older, and so now I was, I have three boys, and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a boy mom. Like, and now, like, I, like, I couldn't be anything other than a boy mom. So it's kind of funny when I think like I really wanted the girl, and then when Max, Maxim, which is funny because Maxim was a little, his name is Maxim. It was a little bit of a nod to Jackson. His name yeah. is Maxim. His, his middle name is just the initial J. But I never anticipated I would be saying their names together, Maxon and Jackson, which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> so it was definitely a high-risk pregnancy and yeah. followed. And he was early too. And he was almost six weeks early. And I remember when my water broke, I was like, okay, I was 34 weeks, five days. And I 
thought it would just be like admitted and go on, you know, bed rest and kind of wait it out. And they were, um, I had to like, I gave birth within 24 hours. And because I think it was, he was under 35, he had to go to the NICU for observation. And I just remember being so furious that he had to go to the NICU. Like I could not believe it. I was so mad. But when I was going to the hospital with my water broke, I texted Jackson's main primary nurse. I was like, you're not going to believe it. I'm on my way to the hospital. I think I might, you know, Yeah. she was like, you're not going to believe it. I literally was supposed to be off all week. I just picked up a shift 20 minutes ago. No. So, yeah. So she was there waiting for my next son when they took him to the NICU, like, and got him, brought him in there. And she was then, she took care of him for that week. Jackson's main problem. Which is just, it was just crazy to me. That is just um, such a blessing how that worked out, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then I do remember thinking, okay, we this is now one week in the NICU. It was so hard, but he was perfectly healthy, observation, nothing. But it like, I almost felt like, okay, Jackson was like, don't forget about me and the work you're doing now that you have another kiddo. Don't forget what it's like to be in the hospital. Yeah. Because it yeah. like reminded us, it reminded us what it was like to be there, what it was like to leave, what it was like to park even for a week and come and go. Yeah. So it was a good reminder uh, to don't, you know, don't get distracted now and still continue on with the foundation. I'm sorry. I'm just almost getting choked up because I'm thinking about though, you know, it's almost like Jackson wanted his brother to experience a little bit of his life for a week. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean it was so like, many. it was almost like it was just like meant to be for him yeah. to do that a little, not like a lot, yeah. but for him yeah. to see like, mm-hmm. this is my, this is what my brother's life was like for, yeah. you know, 10 months Yeah, and how right. you got just a little taste of it with the same nurse, the same, you know, I know. Yeah, I know. It, it's, 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 it's just amazing. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah. It yeah. really is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I go visit Jackson at his graveside on the 11th every month. And I've done that since, since he passed. And with my little guy, he comes with me every month and every month he's like, mom, it's the 11th. We're going to go visit Jackson. And it's like, it's such a special relationship. So he'll bring him a toy. And he just, he talks about it. And like, I remember he said to me after my, my dad died, he's like, can we go visit grandpa? I'm like, no, do you remember when grandpa died? He's like, no, go visit him like we go visit Jackson. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh. It was so interesting that he wanted, I, mean, I think he was six at the time. Yeah. So it's just so interesting how, you know, the relationships carry over and my nieces and stuff write papers on Jackson and his time and like the foundation. And it's just so great to see how his life touches so many people. Right. Even though it was, you know, only t- 10 months. I know. Yeah. I know. I know it's it's been a fear of mine really out since the beginning that there'll be a day that I'm the only one who remembers, you know? And when you have some of those things happen that yeah. show you that other people remember, it's just yeah. so precious. So precious. I was at the cemetery two weeks ago. I'm driving out and this guy's comes chasing my car who was like in like you know he works at the cemetery yeah. and he was like I saw I have a bumper sticker for the foundation on my car it's like I saw you have a Jackson Chance bumper sticker I think he's like so you're Jackson's mom I'm like yeah and he's like he was running and he's like I had a daughter two years ago she went to the NICU you gave us a parking pass thank you so much mm-hmm. and he says I visit Jackson often and like I'm like oh my gosh there's somebody like in the cemetery yeah. And like, I go there and I see things on his graveside that I didn't bring. My husband didn't bring. I'm like, where'd they come from? I know. So like, it is like, like you said, so knowing that like some strange man, like is just going to visit him. Like, yeah. it's just like, it's really overwhelming. Like the good you could, you know, like in people too. So. Yeah. I know that, um, our, the funeral director said to me, I I wrote to him a while back, just because I just wanted to thank him for how caring he was for us in that time. And, and yeah, I just wrote him kind of out of the blue and what, and I told him about what I was doing. And he actually since then had lost his brother, uh, had, his brother had died. And, 
think he told his mom about the podcast and and things like that and and he said you know whenever i'm at that cemetery i go visit andy and i was like here he's a funeral director that's all he does and when he is at that cemetery he visits my son because that he made an impact on him even though he never knew him just our family and our families you know, story. And I thought, man, I can't, I can't believe that he does that. I mean, it was just, it just feels really special when you hear things like that. Yeah. So the foundation is called the Jackson Chance Foundation. Is that the whole whole name? So I'm sure you have a website that people can visit. Yep. Jacksonchance.org. Jacksonchance.org. Oh, I just love what you're doing. And it's just so cool that you're making such a difference in people's lives, you know, and that Jackson's making a difference in people's lives every single day. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love about doing work like this is that you can still do something with your kid. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, yours is living through you right now. Yeah, this is what Mm -hmm. I do. This is what the two of us do together. And that's what you and Jackson and your whole family do together every day is help people just to be able to go visit their their child and make some special memories that they wouldn't have been able to make had they not had that parking pass right Mm -hmm. just wishing to be there and seeing on a camera is not the same as actually being there that's for sure no all right well i just want to thank you again for coming on the podcast today. I have just loved, loved talking to you. And I know that this is just going to continue to touch so many people in that Chicago area. It's awesome. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.